Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry is working on the soundhealthportal.com. Makes me chuckle every time because I don't actually imagine Sherry ever not working on the Sound Health Portal because she's always thinking about it, always looking at it, and always has, oh, we should have this chart, and comes up with these amazing displays. For people who want to know more about the Sound Health Portal, you can go to soundhealthportal.com. I'd suggest scrolling down and looking at the current campaigns, and campaigns are those that are free trials of software packages where you can have your vocal print, which is a voice recording, run through one of these campaigns for free, such as currently we have up, uh, stem cells, Prevac, one of my favorites, neuroplasticity, which looks at how the brain is firing. So I always like to know what's going on with my brain. You can go there and choose a campaign, scroll down a bit further, sign up for a free membership, and you can then will be walked through doing two 30 to 40 second recordings directly from your computer and do the two 30 to 40 second recordings. Submit that with the campaign that you're interested in. And within two to, usually within the two hour window, get back a report by email. I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing that report, lots of information in there. And then if you wanna know more about what's going on in your system, if something's too high or too low, or you see something that looks a little wonky or it makes sense when you see a demo, which I recommend going to soundhealthoptions.com, clicking on classes, and then scrolling down to portal presentations. And there you can see one of the recent demonstrations that Sherry has done a live webinar online when she's done a vocal intake with somebody and done a workup, which all makes so much more sense when you see her do it in action. And I'd find the information at the Sound Health Portal really easy to understand because it's displayed visually because it is a lot of information. So again, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on classes, then look at one of the portal presentations. And she's done a number of them, so there are a number of them there. To hear a replay of this show, now go to talktomeguy.com. There you can go and at the top of this show, usually within about a half hour, You'll see today's show with complete show notes and link back, and you can replay it right from there. And if you'd like to leave feedback or make a suggestion, you can just click on the microphone at the lower right of the page, and right from your phone or your computer, you can leave me a message making a suggestion or a comment. It's at talktomeguy.com. With that, born in British Columbia, Canada, John Dinsley has traveled lived and worked from South America to the North Pole, from Nepal to Nova Scotia. He is trained as a lifestyle counselor, teaches public health programs, trained as a lifestyle counselor, teaches public health programs, vegetarian cooking schools, and home remedies workshops. He's a carpenter by trade, has operated a family care home in our organic market garden, as well as volunteered in overseas development work. Guatemala, Belize, Puerto Rico, Nepal, Republic of Kiribati. In 2005, John published his award-winning book, Charcoal Remedies, the complete handbook of medicinal charcoal. The instant success launched John and his wife, Kimberly, into their internet business, charcoalhouse.com, which offers the widest selection of activated charcoal anywhere. 
John continues to travel across America and internationally, giving seminars on the medicinal applications of activated charcoal from ancient times right down to the 21st century. John and Kimberly reside in the Pine Ridge area of Northwest Alaska. They are the owners of Charcoal House LLC and operate the internet business charcoalhouse.com and the internet ministry charcoalremedies.com. John joins us to talk about the charcoal remedies, medicinal charcoal, and its applications. Welcome, John. Well, good morning, Richard. I'm glad to be able to be with you. It's going to be an adventure. What I, I will say, I, I had a difficult time because charcoal is in so many aspects of our life on every way. I mean, from space, really from space, not kind of like, oh, from space, like really it's in space in the Nassau station, all the way down to my dog got bit by something, let's put a poultice on it. I mean, it's really, it's an amazing scale of what charcoal, as you well know, the guy who wrote the book. You are the guy who wrote the book. That is that is truly quite amazing. And well, it, was a t- it was a team effort with myself and my wife doing a lot of research as well. But, uh, you know, we've been in this business for a number of years already, and it doesn't seem like a, a day goes by and and one of us will say, oh, look, somebody's using it for this. That's how and, I felt uh, as I was reading the book is that I've – I had an herb store and a national mail order catalog in the 80s as an herbalist. I have a degree mm-hmm. as an herbalist. And so I've known about charcoal for almost as long as you have. As I was reading the book, I was like, oh, I never thought of that. That's great. It is, it is truly amazing how it's just in so many aspects of our lives. I want to start out with just a very short review about charcoal remedies. People need this book. Every family healthcare worker, traveler abroad, health conscious individual needs a copy in their home library. And this is by Dr. Agatha Thrash, MD, co-founder of the Uchi Pines Institute, medical examiner for the state of Georgia. And I could not agree with the doctor more. The only thing that I think she left out was one of the groups was environmental people, people who care about Mm -hmm. the environment because of the benefits of charcoal also to the earth not just us but the Mm -hmm. scale of what it can do is truly slightly mind-blowing it is when you when you were traveling in in central america how did you discover your interest in other people's wellness what was your was there a tipping point where is it an incident what was like oh this is what i want to really learn about not really i had i had given up on university and decided I want to go ex, uh, explore the world. So I was hitchhiking around the world. And uh, I'd lived out in the desert by myself for a while. And then I finally found myself in Guatemala up in the mountains. And I met this missionary doctor. And even though they had an arsenal of, you know, of, of drugs that they could choose from, he was forever coming up with some natural remedy. And it kind of, kind of caught me off guard. And then one day he was, I saw this, bus stop out at the front and some parents carried in this limp child and uh, so when it was mealtime I asked him I said what was that all about and he said well most likely it was food poisoning and so we just had the parents take off the clothes and we covered the the child all over the belly with charcoal and I and I know I must have looked at him with like black magic what what are you guys going to come up with next but (laughs) you know but the child recovered he said it was recovered in 20 minutes and 
and I, you know, I just kind of, okay. And that was, that was the beginning. I can't say I really jumped into it at that point. It was years later, but it's always stuck with me that here was a doctor who really was ready to think outside the box. He was a very progressive minded doctor and, and we're very thankful. Kimberly and I are very thankful for all the healthcare professionals that we've worked with over the years who, who really are forward thinking in looking for options and, um, we work with them when we can, and and sometimes it's, an, it's the tables are turned and they're looking to us for answers. Now this time last year I was actually on the Congo border, in Uganda teaching at a nursing hospital. There was 300 nursing students, and then there was doctors, staff, and um, all kinds of specialists from the other nearby hospital, and they were they looked at me like I was off of some strange world trying to tell them that charcoal was a natural remedy. It's, it, it's, it's ubiquitous down there. People cook with it and it's sitting on the side of the road. You can buy it in the markets and the, you know, the kids and the goats, they pee on it. And, and so teaching them how to wash it and actually use it for a natural remedy was, was a hard sell. But with wow. time, with time, they began to see. We put on a PowerPoint presentation and showed them what you just said, that it's used in outer space. It's used in nuclear submarines. It's used in military first aid kits and dialysis units and on and on and on. And little by little, you could see, you could see a little glimmer of, okay, I'll listen to them a little bit longer. And I just, what, last month I got a, an email from the director of the hospital. She put together a PowerPoint. I can't show you the pictures, but... She sent me pictures of all these cases where they were these wounds were incurable in the hospital. They were they operated at a hospital and a health center both, and the hospital staff had given up and said, you know, this case needs amputation. And she said, wait a minute, let's take them up to the health center and we'll try them up there on on a holistic diet and charcoal. And she's got pictures, you know, almost day by day pictures of the improvement of these wounds until they're completely healed over. And um, the doctor, the Chinese doctor, was a director there. He told me that when he was in northern Africa, he'd caught Ebola. And that's mm. a nasty disease. That's really is nasty. And he says people were dying all around him. And he knows it was the charcoal that kept him alive, saved his life. Wow. And so it's, you know, wherever we travel, we'll, hit, we'll meet people who have used it as a natural remedy because of ancestors, or they've used it to brush your teeth or something. But more and more, um, the science, scientific literature is really becoming prolific with charcoal research, so much so that I have on our website a recent article. It was published in July of this year. Um, let's see, what's it? Rice, Rice University Medical Center, U.S. Texas Science Center, Tex, Texas A&M Health Science Center, all working collaboratively on a treatment using inexpensive charcoal for COVID. Wow. When I read that, I thought, you're kidding. And they also said, oh, yeah, it was also good for brain trauma. And I thought, here again, whether it's the Congo border or whether it's some well-fitted university hospital in Texas or somewhere else, Paris, and I can name you all kinds of hospitals that are doing research, here it is, all the same research pointing the same direction that charcoal is amazing, has amazing ability to uh, absorb poisons, the poisons that really do harm us. And um, 
I think it's, it's charcoal has sort of come of its age. Um, you mentioned the book, and I wrote that back in 2005, 2006, in the middle of a winter storm. And, uh, you know, at that time, very little was, there was very, very little publicity about charcoal. You could find it in a few stores, but um, now it is one of the main ingredients in the health and beauty categories in stores. It's uh, caught on so so strongly that it, a lot of people now, oh, I know a little bit about charcoal. Oh, yeah, I saw it on, the, on an ad somewhere. And, oh, yeah, it's used in water filters and air filters. And, and they'll know a little bit more than they did, say, 10 years ago. So it's, yeah. it's been a dramatic increase in knowledge about charcoal. And I want to step slightly. It's not really a side, but it is kind of because it's a different category. But it's still charcoal. And you're such the absolutely the perfect person to ask this of. What is biochar? I've seen a lot. I go to a conference every year that I've been going to for 20 years. It's an environmental conference. It's about Mm -hmm. people coming from all over the world and talking about solutions where they have no money. And they, you know, there was a lot of talk about biochar and teaching natives. I think it was in some place like Rwanda or Uganda to make their own biochar and then what they do is they make it and then they would urinate on it and then they would put it in their fields because the, the nitrogen would release in the biochar in the uh, so what is biochar is it some magical thing it's it's just charcoal isn't it yeah you know charcoal is so ho-hum you got to got to beef it up you got to make it That's a little bit more <laughs> it's marketing give wow. us some appeal okay. and so okay everything's bio nowadays and it's basically just charcoal but I guess biochar is from a renewable resource rather than, say, from petroleum. So in that sense, it is slightly different because you can make charcoal from coal. And so they distinguish it from fossil fuels. So it's something that could be made from switchgrass. It could be made from pecan shells. Anything that's, uh, that is wood fiber-based, they can convert it. But... Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. In fact, when I was in Uganda putting on a program, we invited a young guy from the univer- one of the universities there, and he came out and gave a, a talk on how the local people could use charcoal in their farming, how it would cut back on chemical fertilizer costs, and uh, it's it's great for putting in uh, banana plantations to um, help mitigate the the damage done by this one what is it, an AMX virus? I can't remember the I, I lost mm-hmm. track, but that is a real a damaging effect on these banana plantations, and it somehow stops it or slows it down significantly. So biochar is another wing of this charcoal movement, whether it's for agriculture or whether it's for animals, whether it's for people, or then you get into you know water, um, air, uh, the International Space Station, charcoal has a, already has a reserved seat on the first manned flight to Mars. I mean, you and I aren't going, but uh, one of our customers is developing a prototype for something that on that manned flight, and we were able to sell him a product that he's using to develop uh, an odor control product. So it's the extent of charcoal is just it's just it just really is amazing. It just I've seen a, a surge of it in, I, I live in uh, Northern California in what people would call wine country. So there's hundreds uh-huh. of thousands of acres of vineyards. 
and that's mm-hmm. a whole separate show. Um, but they, their past seven or eight years, there was a surge of teaching local biochar classes, mm-hmm. and what, and because they discovered that they could take, because when you go to trim the vines before they, right after winter they they mm-hmm. trim, were actually sure. pre-winter they trim the vines down, and they have all this hard wood, mm-hmm. and they started, and they used to just pile it up and burn it. Mm-hmm. And now they pile it up and burn it and take it and take the charcoal, remaining charcoal, and work it back right. into the soil. And they're finding that it's having benefits in terms of water retention because we don't have that much water uh, currently in Northern California. Right. Rainfall is down. And having other benefits. And I just think it makes so much sense to work it into any garden soil because it's going to help hold moisture. And it seems like it might, in some cases, help reduce, pull out some of the toxins out of the soil from leftover residual chemicals that are used. So, oh, for sure. You know, just like our, it, what, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. One of our clients several years ago was Monsanto, and um, they had wow. uh, they had poisoned one of their plant, pineapple plantations. We sold them, a, I think it was a quarter of a million pounds of charcoal, and they were able to go back and start replanting. I think and it was a couple. Of weeks, I was at six weeks because it had, you know, had removed all the toxins from the soil. Uh, we had a, we had signed an NBA with them, but that's exhausted. So I can tell you that now. But it, but it, it is. It's being used commonly, and it, it goes back. This biochar concept actually goes back to uh, these huge tracts of land in Central South America, literally hundreds of square miles of man-made soil saturated with charcoal. And where a lot of country, a lot of places I've lived where they slash and burn, uh, the ancient people, they actually did control burns so that they had charcoal instead of just ashes after they cleaned off their forest. And all that charcoal went back in the soil, and it's at least 400% more productive even today than a soil that's 220 yards away that doesn't have any charcoal in it. And so this whole this whole biochar movement is growing and growing and growing, um, and the, one of the big sales is now that agriculture farm uh, farming can now sell carbon credits back to companies. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've heard all that commerce going on, but uh, by actually taking carbon out of the air and putting it into the soil, this not only char- it's not charcoal neutral, it's charcoal positive. So it's actually taking carbon out, excuse me, carbon positive out of the air and putting it in the soil. And then they can, farmers can sell these credits to companies that are on the other side of the equation. Right. It's, it's becoming big business for sure. That was one of the things at the environmental conference that was talked about. They had a keynote speaker who was talking about biochar, both from the perspective of natives creating being trained how to create biochar which i have a question about mm-hmm. in a moment uh make biochar and then urinate it and then mix it into the soil i know it's very but it's very clever if you think about it it's nitrogen it's going to break down and it cools the charcoal off so you bury it in the soil and the nitrogen releases and it's also carbon sequestering so that's right. one of the things that they're really pushing is the idea of using it to be a carbon car, exactly what you're saying Without the buyback, once again, well, that's a whole other yeah, conversation. They actually, big, big uh, pharma business, uh, corporate business in farming, they, uh, hog farms, for instance, they'll mix the charcoal in with the, the uh, pit 
manure, and then they'll mm -hmm. spray it on the fields. So it's it's becoming more high high tech. All the uh, on the up in was it Washington State in the rye grass seed industry that produces all these nice lush lawns. They have a protocol for subsoiling. Now it's activated charcoal, subsoiling activated charcoal to increase germination and plant growth and soil nutrient retention and water retention and so forth. So it's it's used in again in lots of areas that we would never anticipate. You mentioned the you mentioned the uh, wine industry. Um, you have. We, we have a slide program, and I showed two slides. I say, which one of these grape juices has charcoal in it? And one is red table grape juice, and the other one is white table wine. <laughs> and I say neither one of them has charcoal in it, but the one on the right, the clear one, used to be red, and the food industry uses charcoal to take color out of certain foods to make them clean and clear. So whether it's adding it for soil for a nutrient or taking color out of wine and, and apple juice, it's, again, the list goes on. But most people, again, I think the big concern, while everybody is concerned about the soil, I mean, you know, we're very concerned about our health and whether it's chil small children who have, who have jaundice and charcoal works famously for that. Colicky babies, uh, they have remedies now online that the baby will stop crying within you know, less than a minute, even though it's been crying straight for 24 hours, it'll stop crying within a minute after giving a, pro, a simple homeopathic remedy with charcoal mixed in. So whether it's for babies, and if it is safe for babies, then it's safe for everybody else, and it and it is. It's, um, it just goes right on up the list, right to geriatric patients who maybe they have... Um, encephalopathy where they're from a cirrhosis of the liver for one reason or another and they can't they they can't cogitate anymore they can't talk they can't even look at you and within 48 hours they could start communicating again by just putting them on a, a liver dialysis machine that has happens to have coconut activated charcoal in it and so again behind the scenes it's working apparently extending the lives of literally millions of people around the world because they're on dialysis how many times a week. And the dialysis mm -hmm. machines all have charcoal in them uh, for, used for various parts of the filtration pot process of cleaning up the blood. When the kidney and the liver have stopped working, uh, you just hitch up this nice polished chrome thing and it has charcoal in it. <laughs> and it starts, <laughs> That's amazing. It starts That's an amazing charcoal filter system, that giant yeah. bazillion-dollar machine. Oh, we're yeah. figuring your urine and charcoal. You'll be better in yeah. a few minutes. That's amazing. Right. I want to ask about – I have two questions. One is – well, I'll put them together, cause I, and then you can figure out which direction to go. What is the difference between – because I see some people talking about uh, having a preference for charcoal made from coconut versus, I gather, wood. And mm -hmm. what is activated charcoal? What is activated charcoal? Sure. I hear the word. And I, it wasn't until I was reading your book and I went, wait a minute, what is activated charcoal? It was a funny moment for me. Well, you know the, the expression, less is more? Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's how it works with charcoal. Now, if you can imagine a, a, a one-foot cubic piece of wood, it's very hard. And, but if you cook it in the, in the absence of oxygen, 
all the vapor, all the water is vaporized off, all the volatile chemicals that are toxic are vaporized off, and you're left with basically pure carbon with some uh, ash content. Now, but, it, you know, the, the outside dimension really hasn't changed that much. Maybe it's shrunk a little bit, but it's still almost a foot. But if you take that and you now put it in this giant kiln, let's say it's 20 feet across in diameter and maybe 100 to 200 feet long, and they really heat this up now to like six to 800 degrees Celsius, again, they, they'll bombard it with an oxidizing agent that helps. What it does is that the heat and the oxygen carve off uh, carbon molecules without igniting the carbon. And so at the other end of the, this long tube, you've got an activated charcoal. When even just plain charcoal that comes out the other end activated, but it's going to weigh about one-third less of what it was when it went in the other end. But it's still going to have about the same outside volume. It's the inside volume that's gone. It's been eroded layer by layer by layer by layer, until you know one teaspoon of activated charcoal has enough surface area to cover a football field. So that it's that huge increase in surface area that the chemical industries and the and the food industries and everybody else wants to use that to remove something they don't want that's in the air, in the vapor, in the liquid, in the whatever in the soil. That surface area now electrostatically, almost magnetically pulls things to itself. And once it's pulled it to itself, it doesn't want to let go of it. So if you ingest it at one mm. end, it, as it goes through your gastrointestinal tract, it's picking up toxins, and it does not want to let go of it until it's gotten rid of on the other end. So this is one of the famous things about charcoal is it'll grab onto toxins, and then it won't want to let go of them. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of that question, some people have a preference for coconut, some for hardwood. It, it really happens, I think mostly it depends on what you started off with. If you started off with coconut and it worked for you, you'll probably forever after only want coconut. And if it was hardwood or it was bamboo or it was pecan shells, you're probably going to stick with it because it, it worked. Why, why reinvent the wheel? If it's working, let it, you know, I'm just going to use this. But the different, heart, the different woods do have what they call a different size pore structure. Mm. So you can imagine a, a basketball hoop is, is big enough to accept a basketball. But if you threw golf balls all at it, it would go in, but it would it'd easily go out through all the netting. Yeah. And so you have molecules that are small, like gas molecules. And then you have very large ones, like protein molecules or, say, color bodies. And... The, the industry is, has, has, has these designer charcoals with pore structures that accommodate certain size molecules. And so they'll sell this charcoal for, you know, maybe it's for, I don't know, cleaning antifreeze. I don't know. And another one, maybe it's for taking out platinum out of a, out of solution. And, and it's used for, for different things. And so coconut, it's famous for its micropores. It's more on the smaller end, and it absorbs a lot of gases and a few larger molecules. And then you get into wood, which is meso or mid-range pore, and then you get larger like coal base, which are max, uh, maxi-porous. They're very large, and they'll accommodate, again, larger bodies, uh, protein 
bodies, and that they're often used in uh, in uh, fish aquariums because they take out large protein molecules. So depending on the application, they'll use it for different things. Now, one thing I will say about coconut is it was the first thing that was really activated. Uh, it started in the end of the 1900s, early 20, uh, 20th century, and it was used in in chemical warfare. And so all those canister masks that you used to see back in World War One, they had coconut activated charcoal in it. And that was the first real commercial use for activated charcoal. And you can still see it today. If you look at the combat soldiers and they got the, their uniforms on, you'll, you'll see gas masks on them and they all have coconut activated charcoal in them. What you don't see is their their clothing is also woven with um, with carbon fiber fabric. It's an activated carbon cloth, and you see it's in hazmat suits, it's in space suits, space packs, and it's used for nuclear, chemical, biological, radioactive warfare suits. And we we that's part of our business. It's morphed into that as well. So there's we've seen all these applications that we never even dreamed of when we first started this business, and the te technological uses of it just continue to increase. But I got off track there. I was going to say that back when we had that, Japan had that earthquake, and then there was uh, it hit Fukushima, and there was a meltdown, well, the destruction of the um, reactors, and everybody was worried about it, and people in California were buying potassium iodide tablets on eBay for 100 bucks, trying to be prepared for that wave of contaminated air that was coming from from Japan. But nobody mentioned anywhere on the media that the number one antidote for radioactive toxicity is coconut activated charcoal. And it's been it was known since the early 1900s. And we would not have picked up on that except because that's our business now. We deal in large volume of charcoal. And we asked one of our manufacturers, what, what, what's going on? We see the prices of, of carbon going through, the, going through the roof. He says, well, the Japanese government is buying it all up. I said, for what? He said, to mitigate all the toxicity from Fukushima. But nobody told, nobody told the person on the street that the most simple and most effective antidote for radioactive poisoning is charcoal. So maybe that's part of the drive or interest in coconut um, it is typically used, it's typically what's used in hospitals as a hospital grade, uh, but I'm not going to put my neck out so far as to say that it works better. Uh, I've worked and lived in poor countries for many years, and if you have to be wealthy to be healthy, then God only loves rich people. But I've seen poor people taking that same charcoal you talked about a little earlier and eating it and it warding off cholera or malaria, cerebral malaria. And in wow. 24 hours, you know, it's like, it's miraculous. And so, you know, I call it a God remedy because it's, it's affordable wherever you go in the world. It doesn't matter how wealthy and educated the country is or how poor and uneducated. It's affordable, it's accessible, and apparently it's even on the International Space, space Station. So it's <laughs> everywhere. Nuclear submarines could not exist without charcoal to take out the buildup of carbon dioxide. And, uh, oh, yeah, the beer industry uses it to take out carbon dioxide out of their breweries. 
Then they take that carbon dioxide, they take it over to the other side of the plant, and they infuse carbonated drinks from the charcoal, from the carbon dioxide that was picked up from the beer on the charcoal and then infused into the carbonated drink. So, it, again, the applications are just just continue and continue and continue. So to, so to me, it sounds like in an, in an urgent situation, I don't have to be fussy in the sense of if you're in an urgent situation and somebody has a, a spider bite or a wound or mm -hmm. a puncture or something and you want to pack it, grab yeah. the charcoal nearby. Don't go, oh, you don't have charcoal from coconut? I can't use that then. I mean, charcoal's action is very similar throughout. Yes. And, and once we get, uh, I'll call fancy, and you start wanting to ch filter out specific substances, you might be wanting to look for a specific kind of matrix or structure, I guess. Yeah, but we have a real close friend of ours. Uh, she's a head nurse in some of the biggest hospitals on the West Coast, uh, Canada, Alaska, Hawaii, Korea. And uh, she's very familiar with charcoal for as an antidote for accidental poisoning and drug overdose and food poisoning and on and on and on. Well, she and Leah were out camping with their son, Josh and Esther, and uh, Josh got stung on the ear by a bumblebee. <laughs> and she went, into, she went crazy because she was thinking, we've got to get to a hospital. He's, ha he's going to anaphylactic reaction. Let's get in the car and go. He's, Leo said, wait, 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 just a minute. And he walked over to the, where they had a fire pit, broke off some charcoal, and um, wet it down and rubbed it across Josh's ear. And a few minutes later, he stopped crying. We had, we had, my wife had the same experience in a, in a church we were putting on a program, and a, a wasp flew in the window and bit this one little boy, and the mother went, she we've got to get him to a hospital now. Kimberly went downstairs, and I can't remember if it was a capsule or a charcoal tablet, wet it and put it on. In less than 20 minutes, he was fine. Uh, I got an email just, was it last week, from the on the northern Uganda border from what we're working at the clinic there, helping them get up and going. And the doctor, he's, you know, he's so used to drugs and we've been trying to educate him into natural medicine. He wrote, sent me an a email. said, this guy, they brought him in unconscious. They laid him on the floor unconscious. And it turns out he'd, he'd taken, whether purposely or accidentally, had taken a bunch of insecticide and he was, he was good for dead. And they did not have activated charcoal. They had charcoal that they had made themselves, pulverized, sifted, pulverized, sifted. And we teach them how to, you know, wash it first and how to bake it in the oven to make it sterile, as sanita sanitary as possible. And after going through that process of sifting and pounding, uh, they had stored it up in little jars in their emergency. And they had to put intubate him and put it down in a tube. 20 minutes later, gained, regained consciousness, and he checked, he checked him out the next morning. And the guy, he sent the picture. The guy's got this big smile on his face, and the doctor is thinking, okay, you made a believer out of me. Because <laughs> he saw it firsthand. I mean, it's just, once you've seen it happen, it's like, I think I just saw a miracle. And um, it, it, can act, it can act that fast. They have a protocol for end-stage kidney failure now using just eating charcoal. Um, it's the applications. Um, 
we were at a trade show years ago, and this big guy came up, and he turned out to be a head nurse in a big hospital. And he said, oh, I know all about charcoal. We give it in the emergency department all the time for everything A to Z. And he said, but let me tell you something, and this is, this is at least 12 years ago. He said, at the very first symptoms of flu, my whole family gets charcoal, and it stops it in its tracks, and we, hmm. it never develops. And uh, it's, I have another doctor friend who travels and teaches holistic medicine. He's actually an orthopedic surgeon who gave up cutting off body parts for a living and went into prevention. And hmm. he was lecturing all across the states when it was during the – was it not swine flu? It was bird flu. And he said, first remedy of choice – for swine flu, bird flu, activated charcoal. At the very first scratch in your throat, the first little bit of upset in your stomach, you take charcoal right now. And uh, since then, I've learned that, you know, all these microbes, they have, they have chemical warfare, right? They have the endotoxins, exotoxins. And once they start proliferating, you've got chemical warfare going on in your body, and you have all these symptoms from these toxins, vomiting, diarrhea, um, and vomiting and diarrhea is common, whether it's to cholera, whether it's malaria, whether it's HIV, AIDS, uh, swine, bird flu, or COVID. Um, charcoal, if it doesn't, and we don't really say that it cures anything. What we say is it takes out the toxins, which relieves the body from that burden, and then the body's far able to heal itself the way the Creator designed it to. And you're not adding to the equation. You're just charcoals removing these agents that are really crippling the body's ability to fight back. And it has a lot better chance to fight back if it doesn't have to deal with poisonous drugs and the poisons from the microbes at the same time. So uh, we feel that's, that's the main action of charcoal when it comes to healing. It's removing toxins where the, the same way it would do in a dialysis machine, liver or kidney or hemoperfusion cartridges, whatever. It's removing the toxins. The body then rallies its own forces, its own you know, white blood cells and killer cells and so forth, and they're far able to, to deal with the problem. So in that sense, uh, charcoal was used you know, 2,500 years ago. No, longer than that. 3,500 years ago in, in Egyptian times for um, anthrax. Anthrax is a bacteria, right? Well, whether it's a bacteria, anthrax, or whether it's hoof and mouth disease, um, all these things, uh, yellow fever is a virus, uh, measles is a virus, cholera is bacteria, and they all produce these toxins, endo or exo. And charcoal is known as the universal antidote for toxins or, or poisons. Now, it, isn't, it doesn't absorb every toxin under the sun, but it, there is a list, a running list now of anywhere from four to 6,000 known um, man-made or natural toxins that charcoal is known to absorb. Psychotropic drugs, all but one, they will, they will absorb. Uh, lithium, it doesn't absorb very well, but all the rest, they take them in. I have a story recently from a heroin addict, and he was a real junkie, and he said, you know, he would, he would, take a, it was the easiest part of getting over the, the withdrawals. Every time he had withdrawals, 
he'd take, I don't know, 10, 10 capsules of charcoal. And he said it didn't, it didn't ease up the pain, but it got him through the withdrawals. I don't know if hmm. he says that, you know, after one week, the withdrawals were gone. He said it was, that was a lot easier than methadone or any of the other treatments he tried. So, again, um, and that is one of the cautions when people are taking charcoal. You've got to say, okay, charcoal really doesn't discriminate between poisons, between the poisons you got off the street or the poisons you get from the drugstore. They're all pharmacologically classed as toxic or poisons. And so you, if you are on some sort of prescription drugs, know that there's a very good chance it will absorb, and that's what it does when you go to a hospital for an overdose. They give you charcoal because you're overdosing on that drug, that poison. Mm -hmm. And uh, so knowing that, uh, you tell people, okay, if you are on prescription and you're, you need to talk with your physician, let them know that you'd like to try this. And again, there's a lot of uh, progressive-minded doctors who will, who will say, yes, let's try it. We're not going to harm you anything. Let's see if it works. And if you're lucky enough to find one of those doctors, uh, they'll agree to it. And you'll just plan your, your taking your charcoal at maybe one to two hours away from your medication. And the same would go for your meal times. Uh, the food tends to compete with the charcoal in sucking up poisons. And so if you take it, say, an hour or two away from your meal time, then, uh, then your charcoal is much better able to, to grab the poisons. And I better throw this in while I'm at it. There's a lot of mis misinformation out there from supposedly very credible sources saying that charcoal absorbs nutrients. I've questioned all of these people. Well, not all of them. I've, I've, I've given up because nobody will respond to my emails when I say, where did you get this information from? I'm in the business. We sell charcoal to take color and contaminants out of food, and I would, and they, we sell it for dialysis units to clean people's blood, uh, ostomy patients have it in their ostomy tubes. I said, where, is, where are you getting this information from? Uh, because if, if it truly is taking out nutrients, we'd want to know that, right? But here you have peaceful, people who are on dialysis for years, and they show no nutri nutrient deficiencies. Of any person that's going to be showing it, it would be a dialysis patient, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, they don't. And, and so there's that little bit of misinformation. Take your charcoal away from meal times. Take your charcoal away from prescribed medication times and, and discuss it with your physician if you are concerned. Uh, if you're concerned about taking it internally, people will take it in the form of a bath. We were putting on a program, I can't remember where it was, Michigan, and a whole busload of Amish people came. I don't know from where, somewhere south. They heard about the program. Anyway, they came in, and, and this woman said, can I give a testimony? And she's a quite stout woman. I said, sure. So she said, it's about high blood pressure. And I thought, oh, no, no. <laughs> How does charcoal work for high blood People ask me yeah. this many, many times, and I, I said, I'm not going there. And she said, so she stood up, and she said, you know, my blood pressure was 220 over 180. Now, here's a walking time bomb. And she said every pregnancy, every delivery got worse. So she was a big woman. And she said, I read in your book about charcoal. I thought I'd try it for high blood pressure. And I, we had never recommended it to anybody for high blood pressure. 
She said, after taking it for a short time, my blood pressure came down to 180 over 120. Wow. And I looked, I looked at her and I said, what were you doing? She said, I put it in a bath. So she wasn't taking it orally. She was putting mm. it in a bath and soaking in it. And she said, I would get out and feel so good. Well, as, it, as chance would have it, as you said, uh, quantum would have it, we um, met her a month later in, I don't know, was it Missouri? And she walked up. She said, John, I've got a story you won't believe. She said, last, was it a few nights ago, I took a charcoal bath. And I went to bed in the middle of the night. I, I, I woke my husband up. I said, husband, get me to the hospital now. I am very sick. Her blood pressure had gone from 180 over 120 down to 120 over 80. She had not experienced normal blood pressure for so long, so many years. She felt sick to her stomach having normal blood pressure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, my wife says, never say never. I mean, how did it work? Uh, I, I'd have to go back to my first experience and say, well, a little bit of that black magic without being superstitious. It just, it, it works like a charm sometimes. It just, it's amazing. Oh, it really is. One, you'll love this one, Richard. You'll love this one. Microphones. You know, where you, as far back as you go, you'll see these radio announcers with a big microphone. Yeah. Guess what is in the microphone to take out dirty sound? Oh, coconut no, really? Coconut-activated really? charcoal. Wow. Yes. It's used in some of the most sophisticated sound systems. I mean, they're very, very expensive. And they'll put char granular coconut charcoal in these big, giant uh, speakers, and they... Mm -hmm clean out dirty background sound and let me tell you there's more there's more out there than that that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as sound is concerned uh, it captures uh, far infrared rays and will let them go just like a far infrared sauna does it does that but it will do it internally people will comment oh I feel this warm glow <laughs> Hmm. And that that goes back to the 1800s where people had commented. But it, it also captures microwave. And in Korea, they, they sew together these little pouches of bamboo, granular charcoal, and they put them around their computer and their other electronic devices, and it captures rogue microwave. Isn't that amazing? Wow! I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. Sew some little bags of charcoal to throw around all this equipment. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it's used in EMF devices to uh, mitigate EMF as well. So it's uh, I don't know. It's people, you know, they they start rolling their eyes after a while. They said it can't. Charcoal cannot possibly do all those things. Well, then why well, is it on the International Space Station? <laughs> yeah, there's that. And it, and back to the speakers for a moment. It explains I'm I'm having a flashback since I've worked with a lot of technology and a lot of sound devices. It explains to me now why there were times when you'd work on a big speaker like for years I hauled around these things called clip scala speakers, which were really theater speakers. Uh -huh. And it was my sound system. And the foam on the front had a particular texture to it. And I could never like, what is that? Why does it have almost a crispy texture to it? And now it makes me realize it was probably charcoal in the foam. Could have been. To, to attenuate been, yeah. the sound. 
and I've and I've felt that texture in other speakers where there's the foam has a particular kind of stiffness to it, which just makes me think that must have been charcoal because it makes yeah. so much sense. I mean, that's really amazing. I want to I want to ask. I want to jump slightly because this applies sure. to really extraordinary thing that occurred you, you on one of your sites and you can tell us where there was a horse that was wounded oh yeah that story see yeah. you know exactly what i'm talking about and, oh, the, and what, and what happened know. and what and you know they were ready to put the animal down and yeah. in comes this amazing superhero charcoal Please talk to us. Well, about we, that. we have two. We have two amazing horse stories that we have pictures with. We have lots of them without pictures, but the two that we have posted on Charcoal Remedies. One was a horse was hit by a truck. Is that? The, I'm not sure if that's the one you were talking about, but it. I think that's the one. Yep. It gashed yep. open the belly, and um, and the vet said put it down, and the people said, oh no, it's the children's favorite horse, and so they made up this huge charcoal jelly, and somehow made a giant. They got a sheet, put the, the charcoal on the sheet, and then they somehow moved the, the skin that was that was flapping around in the breeze. There must have been a good one or two square feet of flapping tissue, and they moved that back up against the ribs, put the this blanket around it, and then they daubed charcoal all over the other par- parts of the horse's head and, and body where it was wounded, and then they show a picture I don't know. Was it six weeks later? I think All so. you can see is a hairline scar. Yeah, it was amazing. No stitches, no stitches. Not one stitch. And then the other horse story was a colt, and the, the, it was down in Texas, and this woman called. You need to have my wife on sometime. She's, she's full of stories. Good, she's the one that answers all the, the phone calls and tells, listen to people's stories. But anyway, this, this lady called. And it's on our website as well. And she said, our colt has this hole in its neck. And when you see the hole in the neck, it's, it's kind of graphic. But um, she said, you could look right down along the windpipe into the chest cavity. And mm. it, it was, it had, um, the vet thought it was a brown regular spider. And I can't remember, we, we always get into an argument which day it was that this woman called but it was something like the 10th or 11th day after she's already arguing with me. <laughs> it's about the 10th or 11th day after they had already noticed the wound that she called my wife and Kimberly overnighted this vet detox charcoal. We think it works really good for these kind of wounds. And they, that woman started taking a picture every single day until it was over. It was, uh, it was close at, from the day that she started applying it. Eleven days later, it was the hole was healed over. The hair hadn't quite grown in, but it was healed over. And you can't do that with any. There's no man-made drug under the sun that can do that. There's there's no antibiotics that can do that. And uh, well, the vet didn't think so. So it's 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 amazing. Well, it's not when it's not so amazing when you realize that charcoal is antifungal and antibacterial. Now, where you live, if you go out into the forest where there's been a forest fire and you see these trees that have been scorched with fire, you'll see that they're basically still standing there. They might be naked, but they're not rotting. Whereas another tree that's been cut down, 
The stump is probably deteriorating in front of your eyes. It's rotting because the bacteria and the fungus are already attacking it. But they don't like to go through charcoal because charcoal is antifungal, antibacterial, antimicrobial mm. almost. And um, mm -hmm. they think that's why the Egyptians started first started burying their dead in layers of sand and charcoal. Somehow they figured mm. out that charcoal is antibacterial. And even mm -hmm. to this day, they'll find these huge crypts of plain charcoal, Peru, Japan, uh, Egypt, different places, South America, eight to ten tons of this charcoal, and somewhere in the middle is this mummy who's been mummified and, and is still in very, very good condition. And uh, so it's, you know, it works for animals. Uh, whenever there's a pet food recall, uh, there's one company that puts out a, an antidote for uh, pets, and it's basically charcoal in a, in a clay mixture. And they, sold, they sell out within a couple of days because it works so well. Um, but, you know, if you don't have that, going back to what you said earlier, you just take that charcoal powder uh, from your fire pit or your wood stove or wherever, grind it up as fine as you can, sift it if you can, and mix it with something that the animal likes and let it eat it. Or put it in the water. Um, in Europe, they mix it in with the cattle feed. Uh, they, get a, they get better milk production egg production, and better meat or feed-to-weight uh, ratios. And they've done studies in Okinawa, Japan, showing by giving charcoal on a daily basis in very small quantities to livestock, uh, they do so much better. Can even well, that, and, and, yeah. and This Russian gerontologist has demonstrated that he could take old laboratory rats that were ready to be sacrificed, and he could extend their lifespan by 34% by just giving them charcoal, activated charcoal. Now, i I got to tell the audience this was for rats. <laughs> he never yeah. experimented on people. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right. the, idea, the idea is that it, it captures free radicals. And, of course, yeah. free radicals have something to do with our aging. Right. And um, was, it, was it 2000? 16 University of Paris did a very interesting study on a on a super charcoal carbon molecule called C60 or Buxmister fullerene. Oh, uh -huh. it's not really it's not really charcoal, but they extended the lifespan of rats 95%, and it could have gone longer. They said, but they had to sacrifice the animals to do their tests, and they were giving them Buxmister fullerene. Well, mm -hmm. lo and behold, fragments of the supermolecule C60 are found in common wood charcoal. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. So, back to that God remedy. You can be in outer Mongolia or on the International Space Station or, you know, in California, and the charcoal is available, or you can make it, and it, it works. It's so amazing, so amazing. Well, I think one of the back to the horse wound for a minute with the charcoal. Uh -huh. It makes sense in that you're helping, you're you're assisting the body. I'm a believer in that. Given the opportunity, the body will repair itself. Yes, absolutely. So, so if we apply charcoal to a wound, and it helps slow down some of the pussiness and the tendencies for the toxins that are created by the bacteria that are in there, or something that whatever caused that. 
if you help remove some of that and draw those byproducts of, of right. the toxin that's causing mm-hmm. it, this tissue will then have the opportunity to not be so stressed out and possibly heal itself like Absolutely. the magical horse, what I now refer to as the magical horse. Okay, um, because a... I've seen those pictures, and it's mind-blowing. There's a product on the market. We sell our own, but it's, a active, it's an activated cloth treated with silver, microbial silver. Mm-hmm. And it's used in hospitals in Europe and America, and where, um, where nothing will stop a MRSA infection, these charcoal wound dressings will stop it. They, are, they can only advertise them for wound odor, but nevertheless, mm. they stop. You see, most wounds will heal from the outside inward. And that's where you'll first start seeing this new tissue growth is around the perimeter of these open wounds. You'll see this nice line of pink tissue starting, and that's your clue. Ah, it's working. And uh, it'll just continue to do that as you apply it. And a lot of people, you know, they don't want to get the messy charcoal right on the, on the wound, so they'll, they've come up with these, these commercial wound dressings. Uh, the German army has a protocol using these wound dressings on uh, second-degree burns in the military. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, why do they put it in the military first aid kits if it doesn't, if it doesn't work? And they put yeah. it there because it works, and it works <laughs> yeah. for a lot of different, different things. Yeah. And it's just left with the individual. You know, hopefully today, you know, Richard, between our conversation, uh, somebody who's listening is going to say, you know, uh, the FDA says it's Category 1, safe and effective, no known adverse side effects. Maybe I'll try it. Maybe they'll use it for an upset stomach, for acid indigestion, or ga- gas, or heartburn. Or maybe they've got a little bit of diarrhea. And they'll find out, oh, it works. Oh, it works. And once they've had a few experiences like that, that it works, you know, they'll become their own, they'll become charcoal missionaries too. You know, they'll be telling everybody because... You know, if it does no good, it does no harm. But it, there's so few instances where it does no good. Uh, and people will say, well, it didn't do any good for me for my diarrhea. And I said, well, did you try a poultice over your stomach? And after a lot of persuading, they finally put a charcoal over their, their stomach, and it stops that diarrhea instantly, almost within 20 minutes. And I've had food poisoning twice. And, you know, it's... I would have thought the charcoal internally would have worked better. It didn't. The poultice on the outside worked faster for some reason. And it just, these stories just, you know, they just go on and on and on. And um, I, will, I will have to have uh, Kimberly on and Kimberly. do a show with her with stories. And yes. uh, also because I want to talk, we don't have time now because I'm stunned to find we're here. Um, <laughs> but I really want to have her on and talk about for me, the, I watched the video of her making a poultice on uh-huh. YouTube, and yeah. the miracle to me was the idea of adding the ground flaxseed because uh-huh. it retains the moisture. And that was because I've applied a lot of topical charcoal, but it just mm-hmm. dries pretty quick because it's dry. It does. But the idea of adding the ground flax to keep it hydrated so it continues to draw is like, wow, that's amazing. So you, I, she, I'm, was, yeah. she was going to tell you a story about this dog, the vet neighbor called us and said, Kimberly, can you come down and look at this dog? The dog had been shot almost point blank in the side of the head with a small shotgun. Somehow wow. the doctor was able, the vet was able to save it, but then it developed the worst uh, bacterial infection that there was no remedy for. And, she, and 
Kimberly has pictures. You, when you see this, these pictures, we're going to post them before too long. It's an amazing story, and I'm not going to tell the rest of the story. It's just you, nobody could believe it. I mean, nobody looking at that dog could believe what happened. But anyway, uh, she has those kinds of stories that just, wow, is it, if it worked for them, maybe it'll work for me. Yeah, and you start on little that. things, and it works. Yeah. It works. The first time you stop a child from shrieking because they've been bitten, or forget the child, the first time you have an adult who's like going nuts because they've been bitten by something, you slap some charcoal on there, and within five minutes they're like, I think it's feeling better. I, it doesn't, I don't want it to sound like voodoo, but it seems kind of like voodoo in the sense of it it's, really it's, just tends to work. But when you understand the science behind it, when you understand that literally 12 or more times a day, Every American is impacted by charcoal, either directly or indirectly, whether it's the water they drink, which has been filtered through charcoal, whether it's the air, whether it's the drugs that are all drugs, pharmaceutical and nutraceutical, have been filtered by charcoal to make them cleaner, uh, whether it's the, the ground that's been uh, uh, poisoned, that's been neutralized with charcoal, as you mentioned earlier in the program, uh, whether it's the animal feed, they have, now they have an animal feed, um, Wound dressings in hospital use, 12 or more times every single day, every American is impacted by charcoal. And why? Because it sucks up poisons. That's its claim to fame. And it does it in so many different aspects of our life. And, yeah, a colicky baby that won't stop crying, whether it's colic or whether it's a bee sting, how much better that parent feels when they can apply. And even the poison control center Kentucky Poison Control Center said every parent needs to have charcoal in their medicine cabinet because mm -hmm. you want to be able to treat them now. You know, you don't want to go buy a fire extinguisher when you've got a fire. <laughs> you want to have it in your home. Yeah. And hopefully you never need to use charcoal, but if you have it in your home, you've got it. And if you've got yeah. it in your luggage, you've got it. And yeah. you can treat somebody else if not yourself. That's a great note to end on. Um, I, that is really – everybody's coming back. <laughs> that, was, that was great, John. I knew well, it was, it was a that, was, that was the hardest part for me is getting me in so many arenas, truly from space to in the earth, um, yeah. that it is really extraordinary. It's a, it's a wonderful Amazing. thing. I'm so glad you wrote the book. That's a whole other story of like, did you think uh, it was going to be what it is today? That's amazing. No, but, we uh, never dreamed that we'd be here. <laughs> In northwest Nebraska, where the deer and the antelope play, I, we literally have uh, cattle drives go down the highway right in front of us, literally. <laughs> I can look out sometimes and see cowboys right. moving cattle. It's been well, a ride. Charcoal off the NASA. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, John. You that bet. That was wonderful. And Real everybody pleasure. else, have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye for now. <laughs>